What's up, guys? Welcome back to another daily Bible reading snapshot. Today, we're looking at Exodus 11 and 12. And today is the day where the Exodus actually happens. So in Exodus chapter 11, the final plague, God says, hey, if you don't let my people go, Pharaoh, I'm going to bring a disaster like you've never seen before. The people of Egypt and all the people that are in this land, the firstborn of all the flocks, all the herds, and most importantly, of all the human beings, they will be put to death tonight. God will put them to death unless they are covered and their household is covered by the blood of a spotless lamb. So if that doesn't happen, I'm going to put them to death. And Pharaoh, in his normal way, has a hardened heart, says the Lord, harden Pharaoh's heart. And then chapter 12, the Passover. So this is what we call the Passover because God passes over people's houses and doesn't harm them if they followed his instructions and were covered by the blood of a spotless lamb. Now, even as I put that, you might be thinking, well, covered by the spotless blood of a lamb, that sounds like what the New Testament says about Jesus. Exactly. And something that's interesting, the Old Testament points forward to the New Testament. So the New Testament is not just kind of like the Old Testament. The stuff that happened in the Old Testament, the book of Hebrews is pretty clear about this. It is it is a shadow. It, it is a type. It points forward to, to Jesus and the fullness is in what Jesus did. Jesus didn't do something symbolically. Jesus did something actually. Some of the symbolism in the Old Testament, sometimes you get confused and a lot of people, sometimes people like the symbolism more than they like the reality. And we just need to be careful that when we look at this, we say, well, God is doing something here symbolically with this blood. Although the blood didn't technically do anything, it points forward to a time where the blood of Jesus actually covers the sins of his people. So chapter 12, they, they have to have very specific instructions on what type of Passover lamb this can be. It has to be a male, has to be without blemish, has to be a year old. They have to keep it in their house for two weeks. So they become fond of it and they love this lamb. And then they have to kill it themselves. That's just brutal, right? That sounds gross. Like, oh, why would why would God set it up that way? Well, it's a good picture uh, of the spotless lamb of God, Jesus, who's going to come, right? Perfect, spotless, without any blemish, no problem, no sin, lives among the people, is beloved, and then dies. Why? Well, because of the horrible nature of what sin is. We need to have our sins paid for by a bloody sacrifice, as the book of Hebrews says. We need our sins to be atoned for. And this is the way that these people's sins were atoned for. And he says, this will be a memorial for all of you. You're going to remember this generation after generation. Keep this Passover as a, as a festival that you do. Remember what God did. Remember how God saved through judgment, which again, interesting pattern we see in the Bible. A lot of times people are saved after the judgment takes place. They're saved through the judgment. That's what happens here in the book of Exodus. It happens even in our New Testament theology as we understand that we are saved through the judgment of another, right? You are saved. If you're a Christian, you're saved because someone was judged for your sin. You are forgiven and redeemed and adopted into God's family because someone was condemned, put to death, and punished for your sin. That's the same type of idea that we see here in the Old Testament. It's just in kind of the shadowy form where in the New Testament we see it in very clear colors, right? So here it says the 10th plague is the death of the firstborn. Then the people of Israel leave and God says this needs to be a pattern that you keep. Interesting thing about that, the Israelites did a very bad job keeping the Passover every year. In fact, it says actually in the book of Kings that it's not until people like Hezekiah and people like Josiah that the Passover is reestablished in the land of Israel. So interesting that the people of Israel don't do a very good job remembering this. And that probably leads to a lot of their sin anyway. So that's our Old Testament reading. New Testament we're looking today 
at the end of Matthew chapter 18. So remember, really, you can't understand this parable until you understand what just the instructions that were given in Matthew 18. So yesterday's reading is that instructions on if your brother sins against you, make sure that you go, there's some confrontation, you're seeking restoration. And then if they don't respond, then bring two others. If they don't respond to that, bring the church. But if they do, the idea is when there is restoration and people do want to turn from their sin, you're supposed to embrace them. And Peter asks the question, well, then how often am I supposed to forgive somebody? What if somebody forgives me or what if somebody sins against me seven times? Do I have to forgive them the eighth time? And Jesus says, I don't just tell you seven times. How about 77 times? And the idea is, will we even go through this process 77 times with an individual? Right? The idea is, Jesus says, you're supposed to forgive every time. And then he tells this parable. Imagine there's a servant who owes billions of dollars, who is forgiven his debt by his master, completely free, completely set free, no debtor's prison, no selling your family into slavery, none of that. Complete freedom in a moment, okay? Then you have that same person that was set free from such a large debt that now is mad because someone owes him six or $700 now he takes that guy to court. When that is found out, it is very bad because it shows that that servant did not rightly appreciate what he was forgiven. If he's not willing to forgive others, that shows that you don't understand the forgiveness that you've received. Because if you really understood the forgiveness that you've received, you wouldn't demand it of others. And we need to be very careful about what this means for us because what it's saying is, Jesus makes it very clear, we need to forgive other people because of what you are forgiven. If you recognize how much God has forgiven you in Jesus, just like we talked about in Exodus 11 and 12, by the blood of the spotless lamb of God, by Jesus, you're forgiven that much. You ought to forgive others in your life. You have to give, forgive your parents. You have to forgive your spouse. You have to forgive your kids. You have to forgive people when they come and repent. You have to. And if you don't, this is a warning here. It says, if you don't forgive, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you who doesn't forgive your brother from the heart. If you're not forgiving other Christians, that's a really bad sign about where your heart is. And remember, he says, forgive from the heart. Don't just say, oh, I forgive you, and then hold a grudge. Be very careful that you will truly give it over to God, forgive someone, seek restoration, and show love. And that's super important for all of us to hear. And if you're in a situation like this that's hard right now, make sure that you take the instructions of Jesus and you pray about this and you say, I will forgive this person from the heart. And maybe you're not in a situation like this. Just know, prepare your heart for that because it's coming. Because this world, sin's going to happen. It reminds us of yesterday's reading. For it's necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom temptations come. Right? We don't want to be a stumbling block for other people. And we just know sin's coming in the world. So prepare to have to forgive somebody. And maybe think about some people you need to forgive right now. So thanks for reading. We'll see you back tomorrow for another daily Bible reading snapshot. Thank you.